Welcome to the Been There, Got Out podcast. I'm Lisa, a state-certified domestic violence advocate and veteran of more than eight years in the trenches of the legal system, the last five successfully representing myself. And I'm Chris. I'm a certified high-conflict divorce coach. And between the two of us, we have all this knowledge and experience that we never wanted. But now we can put it to great use, providing expert guidance to people in high-conflict divorce and custody situations so you have the best chance in court and beyond. Having the right support from people who get it is so critical to getting you and your children through it as unscathed as possible. And that's exactly what we do through our interviews with experts and other content right here on this podcast. So let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Lisa from Been There, Got Out. Let me invite the invite. And then this, this should work. There. Okay. You did it. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Okay. So um, I was looking at my notes from our last conversation. I'm like, there are so many things that we, I wanted to talk about with you, and I was trying to narrow it down. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah. Do you want to just introduce yourself again? I know we've had our lives before, but just introduce yourselves in case people haven't met you here. Yeah, sure. I'm a uh, I'm a New York State divorce lawyer. I've been practicing. Well, let me let me start about where I am. I am about an hour and a half, or a little bit over an hour north of Manhattan. Uh, I've been practicing divorce and family law since 2000. Um, thousands of cases, thousands of hours of training in all the surrounding areas. So Ulster. I used to practice in Albany, so I used to do Saratoga and Albany County. Uh, Montgomery, Fulton, uh, Schenectady, now Ulster, Dutchess, Putnam, uh, Westchester, New York City, uh, Rockland, Orange, all the surrounding counties. We are a 12-member divorce and family law law firm, so there's multiple other experienced lawyers here and, and a pretty competent staff. So that's my background. Yes, and you're one of the few lawyers who has training in domestic violence, too. I do. I do. And you know, it's funny. They don't really. So when I first started out, they were really pushing the domestic violence. This was when I say first started out, probably about 2001, 2002. They were pushing domestic violence trainings and they were so easy to access. They're not quite as easy to find, at least in my experience now, as they used to be. So I have the big binder, you know, when you do the, the power control wheel and you go through all the multi facets of domestic violence. Um, but I think now it's funny because I think it's become more pervasive. It's become more insidious and more complex in that there's so many other dimensions to it. It's, you know, back then it was just, you know, power and control. We just, you know, started really dealing with that as a profession. And it was mainly seeing the physical abuse. But now it's evolved so much that it's so many little things that we should be recognizing along the way. And you would imagine that you would you would guess there would be more training for professionals in my area to to recognize those little things. But I almost find like maybe there's less. Or, or wow. maybe they don't maybe they don't publicize it enough. So so I get our lawyers, everyone at, at this office takes, you know, let's say, for example, you're supposed to take 24 hours of, of CLEs per uh, two year cycle for lawyers. Right. Our lawyers tend to take 70 to 100 and just wow. immersed in this area of law. So we want to be the best we can at it. But like I don't see a whole lot of domestic violence trainings come across our desk. 
not from the bar association, not from the top of the craft, divorce and, and matrimonial law um, trainings that we take. Um, so I just don't see a whole lot of it. I mean, I've taken them in the past and I've dealt with the process and dealt with the experts, people such as yourself, domestic violence advocates, even law enforcement in dealing with it. But but uh, they should offer more trainings for us. We could use it. Yeah. Ooh. You're giving you're giving us ideas because, you know, we've trained lawyers, but in Barbados and we're in New York like you. We're we're all New Yorkers. And Dennis, I don't know, people who haven't seen us talk before. You and I went to the same university, oh. but we're a year apart, which is crazy. And one of your offices is like 12 minutes from where I live, probably. So it's there's just crazy coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, OK, so let's start talking about um some of the things that I wanted to get to. I started thinking about, and I didn't mention this to you on our last call, but I started thinking about how during my divorce, I had a really excellent divorce attorney who I interviewed later because we're having this book come out. And he gave me some red flags of what a high con- what what might indicate that there's a high, uh, high conflict divorce on the horizon. Yep. And mine at the time, I had no idea that I was even in an abusive relationship because it was so insidious most of the time. But he said that one of the factors is if someone is in an abusive situation, if they are a victim, not just that they're dealing with an abuser, but a lot of it has to do with how hard it is for them to get out of the relationship because of the codependency issues and because they keep taking the person back and how we know that it's an average of seven to nine times to successfully extricate oneself from an abusive relationship. And you and I started talking about how other people can sometimes influence someone's staying in that toxic relationship. I think when you and I had our own little private meeting about this, I was talking about how a community like certain cultures might influence people to stay in the marriage and how there's all kinds of expectations about what marriage is really like. So I'm not sure if you want to start talking a little bit about that or if you want me to hit you with some specific questions. Yeah, I think there, I mean, look, I I think there's certainly uh, multiple different components to that. I think the cultural, I think religious, I think just even familial, uh, traditional things. Um, Because I know even so, so I'm Italian American, uh, three quarters Italian, Italian American. and, And in our families years ago, you didn't divorce. That's what marriage was like, you know? That's what it was supposed to be. That's what your life was supposed to be. And you have like, you know, oh, we don't divorce our husbands or our wives. Um, It's become, and and even just socially, I think socially it's become more acceptable to be divorced. But you think 30 years ago, it was unheard of for you. So I think um, to, to, to get yourself out of the relationship, you will have, be prepared. Um, It can be an uphill battle because you will have family. You'll have uh, religious, cultural, and, and even social um, obstacles to overcome. Um, so what do you do if you're not one of those things? You need to be the support, right? You need to be the support to help them get over the hurdles. So you need yes. one that sees. And, and, that's a, and we talked about this in our last conversation. That's a tough place to be. And exactly. I've definitely been in that situation. Because here's what happens. You as the friend, you care about your friends, right? You say, hey, this is not healthy. You got to see this. You got to get out of it. You got to get help. Maybe you say the hotline. Maybe you say talk to a counselor. Maybe you say domestic violence advocate. Maybe you give them tools or even just kind of like put it in front of them or just like say, hey, I saw this stuff about the hotline the other day. Maybe interested in this pinwheel I came across, 
you know, and just let them see it and kind of plant the seeds a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mind, what's going to happen is once the abuser realizes you're doing that, they are going to do everything they can, not just to shut you out of the process, to alienate you completely. So what they're going to want to do is get their arms around the person and say, hey, stay away, stay away from there, that, that, that Sally or that Joe, they're a bad influence. Stay away from those people. They just want to break it. They're just jealous of our love. They're just unhappy with their life and they don't have what we have. We're a different thing. Stay away from that. You know what I mean? And I will tell you, my experience is most of the time you get shut out. User, because they spent now, you've got to think about this situation. Somebody's been in a relationship with someone for 10 years. They've been completely brainwashed to fall in hook, line, and sinker to what the abuser's trying to sell, okay? They're selling this, this proverbial bill of goods of, hey, I only, I only text you 25 times a day because I love you. You know, I just, right. I don't want you, I don't, you're, you're only going to wear these clothes when you go out because I just don't want anything to happen to you. You don't have to work and have your own job or have your own profession because I'll take care. I want to take care of you. We talked about this, the care versus control. Remember? Right. Right. So, so, and I think, so, and, and to be fair, and I'm not defending abusers, but, but to be fair, like I remember growing up as, as a guy, as a man thinking like, you know, girlfriend or, or even my current wife, you know, oh, I've only been say current wife. I've only been married once. And I'm like, so. Um, I, I care about her. I love her. I want to protect her. I want to, I want her to be safe, but that's okay. That emotion is okay. That instinct is okay. But once it gets to where you're saying you can't, um, don't do this. I'll be upset if you need my permission for, once you get from the, Hey, I'm just worried about you. You know, if, if I was going someplace like that, just, just make sure you're aware of your surroundings. Just make sure if you're going any place, you know, please. And I, and, and, and be clear, say, I, I just, I just do that. Cause I care. I can't control what you do. You do what you want to do, but remember I'm your husband. You know, I'm part of your family. I love you. And I worry about you. That's all. Um, but you can't say you don't go there. You don't go here. You don't see this person. That's the difference between care and control. Yeah. And what you just mentioned uh, right before that, too, with the there's has to be such a fine balance between being a friend or uh, a family member on the outside of when you see someone in an abusive relationship and then you start introducing, hey, you know, someone who's been brainwashed like here, maybe, you know, you might want to watch for this and to contact these resources and then the other person, the abuser here, they'll go back and say, oh, they're worried about me. You know, you're acting this way. The abuser will say, no, 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 no. Stay away from that person. That's right. In a way that can isolate someone who's been even more isolated, because like you said, that abuser takes the role of like, it's us against the world and your friends don't understand and they just don't like me. Yeah. Right. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's a tough position to be in as a friend because I, I think, and, and again, this is something we didn't directly talk about before, but I, I think it's a tough position to be in. But my, my advice, and again, it's not expert advice, but just looking in from the outside, is the best thing you can do for that person is always stay involved, always stay there, always, do, even if you're not saying anything else, even if you say, hey, the last time I did this, they just shut me out, still being their support. Is, is good 
is being there with them. And sometimes you have to fight for it. You have to overcome all those hurdles, all those obstacles that now the abuser is going to put in front of you to stay there as their friend and their support. It can make it really hard. And some people just check out and say, hey, I'm, I'm done with it. You know, you want to stay with the abuser. I tried to help you. Every time I try to help you, I get, you know, pushback from you and, and, and alienated from him uh, or, or her for that matter. I, I don't I don't want to. I don't want to. But if you really care about that person, you, you stay there as much as you can. Right. And, and, and I, and I'm thinking about something that we'll talk about with co-parenting with a difficult person in a while, but what you're saying highlights that if, if you allow yourself to be isolated because you feel like I can't get past this gate, then the abuser has gotten his or her way because they've been trying to isolate the person. Right. And then you say, I've had enough. I can't stand this dynamic. And you go away, it makes it hard. So it is like very, very tricky. And we've had people come to us in situations where they're like, my family doesn't want to hear it anymore because they've seen so, they've so many times they've warned me, you know, to get out and I've come to them and then I've gone back and I feel so stupid. So there's nobody else that I can talk to. Yep. And I and I'll and I'll ratchet this standard up tenfold. There are judges who do that. Really? I've seen, I, I have a case in mind. I have a judge I can think of, will remain nameless, who said, Okay, tell the story. Anyway. You've been back here with order protections too many times. I'm tired of hearing from you. I, I'm not going to give you another order of protection. I'm not going to give you. You've been back here too many times. And, and what they don't understand is, and, and listen, I, let me be clear about this. I've seen a whole lot of false allegations in my, in my time as well. So, so it's really difficult for professionals in this area to discern what's true and what's not true. So I've seen stuff completely fabricated. Um, so, so you need to put the time in to figure it out. But here's the thing. It means you take the time to figure it out, okay? If somebody's lying to you or they're not telling the truth, you as the judge, you as the lawyer, you need to figure it out. But you have to know that that's a mark of victims of domestic violence. Of course, that's the cycle. That's what happens. You need to be trained well enough to understand that. You need to know, yes, they're going to come in with an order of protection and withdraw it. I love my husband. I love my wife. I want them back. I don't care that they punched me in the eye and broke my nose. I don't care that they won't let me leave the house or have a job or know what the finances are. I don't care about any of that stuff. I want them back. That doesn't mean they're not a victim. In fact, quite the opposite. It's actually more proof that they're a victim. Yeah, exactly. And that involves like the whole thing with the brainwashing and people who are not schooled in domestic violence. It doesn't make sense because it's so illogical. Right. And, and that's that, again, isolates victims. So they'll say, why would you want to stay with someone that hurts you? Right. But the person in it makes, you know, makes excuses or valid in that, you know, they, they, they have their reasons and it's hard unless you know, and you, unfortunately you haven't been in it. I mean, fortunately you haven't, but unfortunately for people who don't understand, they can, again, it comes back to that whole isolation thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was also, I wanted to get into a little bit with your role as a lawyer. We, you know, we're both New Yorkers and when our clients don't want to hear some of the harsh realities. We just say you need the harsh New York reality check. So how do you deal with that in your capacity as a family attorney when, when you have clients who are struggling to get out, clients who have that the issues with coercive control, they're struggling to get out and they're waffling? Like, how do you handle that? I think I... I think it's it's a it's a delicate balance between dealing with someone with kid gloves, right? In that, by using that expression, I mean you want to be empathetic, you mm -hmm. want to 
understanding. You want to listen. And in some ways, I don't even come at people and forgive the expression in that situation head on. Mm -hmm. Like to try to do is just repeat what. So, so you ever heard something called looping? Yes, of course. So you're like saying things back to what people to make sure they under, they under, you know, they, they're, they're clear that you understand what they're saying. So what I'll do is some, some level of variation of that is I'll say, so, so you're telling me that your husband came home and smashed his head on the coffee table and said, I'm going to kill myself if you leave me. And then um, they kicked the dog and they're not on their mental health medication and refuse to go to treatment. And they threatened to kill you a year ago and broke your glasses six months ago. And you're wondering whether or not you're in danger enough to get an order of protection to make sure you stay safe. So hearing it from you. (laughs) Don't say anything. Because I think for sometimes, sometimes for people, they never really looked at it objectively. They never Mm. just said it out loud and let their objective ears hear it. They're in it, but they don't hear it from the outside. So Summarized. Summarized in a timeline. So even just to synopsize it out loud and then just look at them, and let them come to the conclusion, not that I have a magical answer for that. I know people are brainwashed over decades and it's not going to be, they're going to come into my office, I'm going to fix them overnight. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that that's one of the additional things that you can use as a tool to help them see it. And yeah. the hope is that there's somebody like yourself, there's a friend or a family member, maybe they've looked at the website, they've looked at the pinwheel, maybe they're getting up the courage to call the hotline. Maybe they're starting to figure out the logistics of like, how could I get out if I wanted to? Hey, you got three kids, you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. You don't pay the bills. You don't know what's going on. How do you get out? How do you get started? I wouldn't even imagine the fear and anxiety that comes along with that, right? Being in it. But sometimes you need to just like let them hear it from someone else and not like you're trying to convince them, just like they want to hear you say it. And just right. and objectively say, hey, this, this, you know, he, and I didn't have to really even say anything. And I remember the person looking at him as sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? Mm. And I didn't even really say anything then. I said, well, I said, you know, my thought is you're always better safe than sorry. And so, so I did a live today on TikTok and my, and my advice to someone in a narcissistic relationship, toxic relationship with the spouse was to get out. And my advice was your safety and your kid's safety is first. Safety is first, the legal, all the other stuff will figure out as a close second. But the safety, the attic, like the, you know, the day to day right now, today's more on the next day, safety is first, get out. Yeah, and I think what you said about the looping and I think we call it mirroring too, is that it's just the very beginning of getting someone out of denial. Like you think about all this 12 step programs. The first thing is acknowledging that there's a problem that you can't control by yourself anymore. And then once you deal with it, then you have to start to ask for help and realize that you can't do it yourself. 
Right. And that's when it, that's when it begins. So I think what you're mentioning is like a very good first step where you're not telling them you've got a serious problem, but they're gradually seeing the light, hopefully. Yeah. 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 All right. So I want to totally shift gears to something that is like always a thing with all of our people and that's co-parenting with a toxic partner. Cause we talked about that. Go <laughs> with that, right? Uh, yeah. So just a quick thing. So I did it uh, a live a couple of weeks ago with this, with blended family frappe who deals a lot with step families and blended families and all those issues. And she said that people seem to believe that the default after a divorce is very amica- amicable co-parenting and that it actually is not, is it? <laughs> no, I, but you know the answer to that already, don't you? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, but people, but people feel so bad because they're like other people or it seems, shouldn't we just be able to still get along for the sake of the kids? Like, why aren't we both doing what's best for the kids? So, so I think it draws from the abuser, the, the toxic person doesn't want you to leave, right? That's the starting point. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what precipitates, so, so what I tell clients on a regular basis is, the, the vast majority of the issues with custody and visitation are remnants of the broken relationship. It's mm. a toxic person that is still so burned by the fact that you got out. They are trying to keep reeling you in through the custody and visitation thing. Reel you in, reel you in, reel you in. Nine times out of 10, that nothing to do with the kids. Nothing, not one single thing to do with the kids. It's about the broken relationship and feeling spurned by that broken relationship in what in varying degrees and varying shapes and forms. But but I think especially with a toxic relationship, they are trying to reel you back in. Absolutely. Okay. so you you should you had said in our last conversation that the reality is there is no alternative. You can't just check out. Right. As they achieve their goal, you want to, how can someone end up losing like when they just get so fed up? Talk a little bit about that. And well, then I'll let you go to lunch. I think, look, let, let's put it this way. I think so. So the toxic uh, ex wants to reel you back in through the custody and visitation. And they know that as long as they continue that conflict, you've still got your connection with them. Right. You can't get away from them. So so whether it's gray rocking or it's parallel parent, parenting or whatever you're doing, my advice to people is. Don't allow them to get their way. So their way is to try to get back at you by taking the kids from you. Try to get back at you by keeping you involved with them. Try to get back at you by hurting your feelings, getting you upset. Trying to, trying to get back at you by keeping you connected with them. That those are all part of all part of. So how do you stand your ground? Keep keep preserve the most important thing, which is contact with your kids and time with your kids without allowing them to reel you back in in every way, shape, or form. So it's a whole host of different things. It's not saying, well, you know, they want to just take the kids. You know, I don't want to deal with them, so I'll just let them have the kids. No, because then they're getting over. They're winning them. They're getting what they want, right? Because they're getting back at you by taking the kids from you. So the point is, you need to work with professionals who help guide you through that process, right? Insist on your rights, exercise your visits, spend your time with your kids, and then... But don't reel into the bullshit. So when it's like, hey, I'm going to back and forth and call you names and this and that. Hi, Road. Okay, I'll see you at three. Exactly. And that is so hard for us. 
You're- Especially people who have been out where they're like, I took too much of it during the marriage. I'm not going to take it anymore. So I'm going to get into it and argue and explain why they're wrong. And the best thing you can do sometimes is if you have no obligation to respond to them, you say nothing. <laughs> if they say you're a jerk and you're this and you're the, let it go. I know. Don't say anything. But now you got a record, right? You've got a record of all this stuff. So you, so you keep your phone, you do texts, you do emails, you keep a record of everything. You use programs to share expenses and to go back and forth with communication. You know, all the various apps that are out there, you can use those. So now you've got all your records. Don't let them reel you into, into their bullshit, number one. Don't let them keep reeling you back in. Don't take the bait, okay? No matter how hard it may be. And always make sure that your kids are your central focus. And there's a way to do those two things. It's not easy. It's hard. Some, some people will say, well, I'm just going to like gray rock and then let the, you know, and then they're going to say, well, you're not responding to my communications. You're not complying exactly. back in court, blah, blah, blah. You need to have a lawyer who's accustomed to dealing with these back and forth litigation situations and probably coach and probably counselor. You need a team to help you go through this process. Right. And the table. want to hire me. You want me to hire you and pay you money and this and that. All I'm saying is I want you to live your best life. I don't want you to allow them to reel you back in but I want you to insist on what you're entitled to with your kids because you deserve that time with them. And your kids deserve that time with you. Right. With you not being obsessed with what's going to happen and what they're going to do to you and that constant dread of like, if I'm not perfect, I'm going to be in trouble. Right. Right. Yeah. Excellent. I think, look, you don't want to pay the lawyer probably, you know, uh, three, four, five hundred dollars an hour to be guiding you through the entire process, day to day, minute to minute, hour to hour. But you can find coaches who have been through that process to assist you, or advocates, or counselors to assist you in that way. So yeah, okay, maybe they're charging you for their time, but it's much more cost effective. And then for the big things, create a plan with your lawyer. You need the legal expertise at the outset to know what you're looking at, know the way the law looks at it, know the way the judges will address your situation, so you can get a comprehensive plan. Okay, get your situation sorted out, get a good order through your lawyer, talk with your lawyer about what each and every term means, use your tools, use your team, have them help you through the process. And that's how you really work through that really difficult process of being in a situation where you got a toxic ex and you got kids involved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, you remember, um, we talked about what we showed you, I think during one of the last lives, the table, Yep. And uh, yeah. And, you know, you, so you're the leg, you're the legal leg, you're the lawyer. Your job is to right. translate the case into the law to get the best orders. Right. Chris and I, as high conflict divorce coaches often say, like, well, we're not lawyers. Um, I am a state certified domestic violence advocate, not a therapist, but it kind of overlaps in some ways. Right. But we're like the bedside manner that many of you guys don't have the time to be. So we'll be like getting you ready, get your stuff in order, get you ready to present in court, turn you from a puddle into a confident, organized person. Right. Right. Who can and defend themselves. I wanna, and I've got to be honest with people. When I put this on TikTok, or I put this on Instagram, people laugh. I don't want to do your job. I don't want to do other divorce coaches job. I don't want to be a counselor. I don't, I know why that degree hangs on the wall. I know what my value and my experience can bring to the table for you. It is that legal expertise. It is giving you the guideposts. It is telling you how to be successful in court. But 
but I don't want to charge you, you know, four or $500 an hour plus to say, should you respond to this text I got at six o'clock tonight? And it's not because I don't care. It's because I know that's not cost effective for you. Right. Right. Like we say, you know what you know. Right. So you know, you know what you know. We know what we know. Right. There's a difference and everybody has their roles. Right. And, and uh, you know, it can work like that. Yes. I didn't mean to. Put All right. Like <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Dennis, I don't want to take up more of your time. It's lunchtime and we're in the same time zone, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on again. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll come on anytime. Okay. Well, you know, I'll ask you back. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Good Thanks you. everybody. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the been there, got out podcast. Please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. And you can find us easily on all major social media, but especially Instagram and YouTube. If you think we might be able to help you with your own situation, just visit beenthergotout.com and click the button to schedule a complimentary discovery call. Thanks again, and see you next time.